In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. And welcome back to Still Interested, a TV and film reboot remake podcast for the Curio Network. I'm your uh, not-in-the-movie Martian boy, Ben McAllister. I'm your dog with attitude, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Like a, like a really good, like, poochie kind of vibe. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this is the episode where I had to return to my planet. Yeah, so. okay, fair enough. Yeah. And... Of course, here we are, uh, for the first time in a while, some might say, with a with a guest. <laughs> a very special guest. My name is Renette. Uh-huh. I am your friend. Do I have to say anything about myself? Well, just, just like if you've got, like, a cool, like, nickname for yourself or some kind of, like, you know... You know, like, I did the whole, like, Martian thing and Jackson said he was a dog okay. with attitude. Actually, he'll hate nicknames. People well, so- come up with nicknames for me, Ooh. like, Ren Dog. Ren. Mm-hmm. hate being called Ren. Yeah. Oh, man. What about Knights of Ren? Just splash about in the imagination shallows and see what, see what kind of, <laughs> <laughs> see what kind of shells and muck you rake up. Seaweed? Yeah. What's that wrapped around your foot? It's imagination seaweed. And it- <laughs> imagination seaweed? Okay, I'm gonna have, have to go with Nighthawk. Yeah, oh, cool! That's all that came to mind. Okay, and this is your nighthawk. <laughs> that's all that I got, man. That's all I got. Your, no, your nighthawk. Very Renette. good. Okay, yeah. Wow, that's that's fucking quite cool. We're we're actually here to talk about a movie, and I don't know if you know what movie it is, but I I'm pretty sure it's the remake of Total Recall. Came out in 2012. Yes, the uh, Len Wiseman directed film. Len yeah. Wiseman, um, of course, famous for other such movies as. Underworld. Ah, uh, yeah. Really? And Underworld Evolution. Yeah. And Live Free or Die yeah. Hard. Hey! Holy yes. The sh- fucking... Wow. Third shittiest Die Hard movie. <laughs> <laughs> Still right. good wait, wait, fuck. Was he married to Ken- Kate Beckinsale? He was! Oh my was. goodness. Oh, at the that time that sense. they made this movie, or did Make they get together sense. in yep. this movie? That's no, they were they were together like way. Before. Okay, there's oh, yeah. a picture of them together. I reckon someone's punching. Which one though? Obviously not her. Yeah, she's pretty attractive. Oh, she's so <laughs> obviously in no situation is, is Kate Beckinsale punching. Never. Yeah. Oh my Look at goodness. Her go. oh. Look at them go. Okay, never mind that. Never mind these very attractive people. Let's look at some very attractive people as we crack right into the beginning of Total Remake, as I like to call it. I've been <laughs> oh, I've been pretty into this idea of Total Remake, like, pretty much like ever since I started yeah. seeing trailers for this movie, like in 2012, and I have never seen the movie until we watched it last night, but I have just been calling it Total Remake anytime it's come up in conversation. Now, Benjamin, I'd like to get started with my first note, Please. which is in response to the first title card I saw... That this is apparently an original film, which I have, <laughs> I have a few concerns with, 
given the premise of our, of our show. But this is not, in fact, an original film. It's very much a rebooted film. Why throw yeah, that title it, card That is a little top? weird. I also want to know, did Columbia make the original? Like, because we got the Columbia title card. I'm really not Ooh. sure. It was originally TriStar, yeah. So they, uh, and Carol Co. and TriStar was the 1990s. So they totally jumped out. Columbia snapped it up. Fucking hell yeah! Yeah, fuck. Okay, so the first thing I've noted is the opening crawl of this movie. Like the the, the it was just so weird. Like all the on screen text. It just had a very like yeah. in the year twenty twenty nine. All resources yeah. are scarce, and man is on the brink of destruction. <laughs> and Australia's there. Chaos reigns supreme. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was very. So basically, we we we're, we're getting this uh yeah this sort of not not exactly Star Wars vibe yeah uh, in terms of like the the opening title crawl, but basically uh there was like a, a chemical warfare the yep. world sort of like changed it's dystopian now living space is the most valuable resource and there are only two only places two left. places. Britain and the colony, which yeah. is just Australia. Nice shout out for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here living. So we got like yeah, the U- United Federation of Britain or the UFB, as it's uh, uh-huh. commonly thrown out to, uh-huh. and also just the colony, which seems sort of strange. Yeah, but anyway. it's a little colonial, but you know, I guess it's ki- it's kind of interesting that the movie is just about Britain and Australia, but there are no British or Australian people in the film. Um. Actually, Kate Beckinsale, yes, but we'll get there when we get there. But initially, everyone has very pleasing, generic North American accents. But, actually, like, some of those news reporters, when you listen to them, I, for a bit, I was like, I actually can't pick your accent. Mm -hmm. There was, it was a bit American. And then... Very transatlantic. Yes, Mm. yeah, and I don't... Probably intentional, obviously, but mm. it's just, I don't know how well it was executed. So we quickly get a picture of this weird dystopic world where there's something called the fall. So apparently, like, yeah. apparently the way basically the world works in Tonal Remake is, like, everyone works in Britain, in the United Federation of Britain, but most people live in the colony, and in order to get to work every day, they commute via a train that travels directly through the core of the Earth. It's just 20 uh, minutes. In just 20, 20 minutes. It's a big elevator, dude. Yeah. That's what, it's like, like tra- train makes it sound too nice. It's a big elevator. It, it, well, I guess it just falls, right? Like, it falls through yeah. the core of the Earth, and then comes out the other side, and then they get up and, and go to work. It seems like a really, really, really inefficient way to, to go about running things. Yeah. Like, for all the resources you spent fucking mining out the core of the Earth, surely you could have just improved some of the land near Britain. And, like... Or fucking, like, ma- or make it livable and yeah. have people living That's inside, a- like, the crust of the Earth. Like, oh, fucking, like, shit, make more dude. living space. The core style? Very good. Yeah, uh, dude. Yeah, okay, I mean, I guess this qualifies as, like, kind of fun weird technology which was one of the points of remake ability uh, yeah, so they're on top of it on top so. of it too. they definitely hit it at multiple points throughout the movie but this was the first one yeah. that, that stuck out to me so we get to meet Wade an embattled Colin Farrell <laughs> yeah uh, and listen, like straight up, we're like he's sort of waking up in like a sort of hospital sort of vibe, that made me so and nervous. there's a lot of strobe. It made oh, me so yeah? nervous. I realise now, looking at my notes, what my first note means because I said nervous because wires. Oh, he kept pulling all those little medical wires, and that shit makes me so nervous. It's like, what about you're gonna unplug that drip or something's gonna happen? I don't. Yeah, know. I think that's what he was trying to do. 
And then he's having a conversation with a Bealist, a Bealist celebrity, played by Jessica Biel. <laughs> oh, God. Who, that's, that's a nice Bojack reference for you, not a dig at Jessica yeah, Biel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and good. they only have 10 seconds, apparently, but we don't know what the 10 seconds is. But then there are robots there, and they're fighting robots, and you'd be forgiven for being a little confused as to what the fuck is going on here. Because you've got Colin Farrell, yeah. you've got Jessica Biel, we don't know who they are, one of them's on a medical bay, they're, all, they're fighting these robots... I definitely thought it was a big Robocop mood, which I kind of like as a nod to the Verhoeven-verse. Yeah. Yeah, 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 certainly. And then just in the middle of this gunfight, they're like, I love you. And she's like, oh, you're doing this here? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, huh. And they just start making out, like, as, like, shots are being fired. Dog, this oh. was in the extended cut. We oh did not get this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm just oh, really? Watched. What are my notes? One <laughs> <laughs> of my notes was that oh, the romance man. was... Rubbish. Completely undercooked. There like nothing. there's nothing to it at all. I, did I miss out? Honestly, honestly, honestly to be honest, to be honest, they could they could take it back. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't particularly thrilled by it. Yeah, clearly, someone, um, okay. some editor decided to leave that on the cutting room floor in the theatrical release because we did yeah. not get to see that. Devastated. Yeah. I was so ready for that shit. That's so, what did you? Does that mean you essentially have the shot of them like trying to escape through that grate where they both get shot in the hands and, and he gets yeah, sort of like exactly. wired up and pulled back by a gun? Yeah, so yeah. she's like falling into a pit and he's like holding on and they both get shot in the hand and he lets her go. And then the robots shoot him with what T, uh, Thomas Owen, was watching the movie with us, what T called bondage bullets. <laughs> which is like, <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, so I like that shoots a lot. him with a bondage bullet, TM. And uh, he gets dragged back, and then that's it. He wakes up. And it's kind of just like the original yeah. Total Re- Recall, where mm. like he wakes up in bed, and his wife is there, and she's like, Doug, was it about Mars? Except not that, because, spoiler alert, <laughs> there's no fucking Mars in this movie! <laughs> like, literally, the whole movie, until there are about 20 minutes left, I was like, when are they going to go to Mars? <laughs> Yeah, there was a point where you were like, um, we're essentially halfway through, and yeah. there's no mention of Mars. It hasn't been Mars. It hasn't oh. happened yet. It's so weird. But no, instead, it's Kate Beckinsale, his beautiful, beautiful wife, oh. and Colin Farrell. This scene is just a bunch of a bunch of steamy things to look at. As Colin Farrell gets out of bed, and Kate Beckinsale's there, and they're both just kind of like dreams and reality. And can you believe it? They're talking about his this recurring dream, different to the original film where Arnie was talking to to his Laurie, being like. Oh yeah, that that brunette was there again. Yep. This time, Colin Farrell was like, Doesn't nope, mention her. no one else there. Yep. Just me, just alone by myself. Yep. Nothing else to see there, lady. Like, no rep. No. <laughs> very, very much worried about dream cheating. Very modern is, day. You know, like, and then he turned to her and he said, "Come on, Laurie, you know you're my girl." <laughs> 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 oh, God. Uh, yeah. I cool. Wish. So uh, his wife seems very self-centered because she's kind of just like. Are you mad at me? Is that yeah. why you're having these dreams? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, wow, yeah, what a yeah. shitty, shitty thing to do. Turns out she's like a doctor or an EMT or something because there's an emergency. Mm. Uh, there's been a yeah, bombing. There's a, there's a bombing up yep. at the UFB. Yeah, yeah, so just to give you, I mean, I guess we'll get there when we get there. There's like, there's a lot of like uh, civil unrest in this world. Uh, and yes. so there's like a terrorist attack and she's like oh I have to go so she gets dressed and she leaves and as she's leaving she's like get some sleep to which uh, Colin Farrell's Douglas Quaid gives us my first title pitch for the movie Sleep Scares Me <laughs> not not exactly like really very on brand for this movie like- also I feel like his face he was doing and, and a lot I think this happens often through the film and maybe I was just being too picky with it but he does a Jerry Seinfeld way like he delivers his lines and he's low-key laughing at himself yeah right but it's not funny in this, in like this case yeah um, and just another point on 
wouldn't it? It really would have improved the score. Yeah. But um, I was so, so disappointed because I love Colin Farrell. And mm. I think Lily last night agreed that he is so much better than Arnie. But where was his Irish accent? Because that just ruined it for me. I actually just... You mean you don't like it when Colin I, Farrell talks like this? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I so I'm actually inclined to agree, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, like... and all, but, but also, particularly when it's, like, the United Federation of Britain. Yeah, why did he have to be like, American? Exactly! And also, yeah. Yeah, that it goes for the other characters, but we'll get there. Yeah. Oh. So, we get to see this absurd train bombing. Uh, and we get some, uh, like, you know, newscast dialogue where, like, these newscasters are basically giving exposition. Basically, this movie is about a class struggle between essentially, like, you know, a ruling class of wealthy fucking mining owners who live in the UFB and, like, the, the poor workers who live out in the colonies and the, the, the drop or the fall is meant to be, like, a symbol of their oppression by this capitalist system. Yeah. It's all about, like, there's this, there's this, like, group of resistance led by this mysterious figure called Matthias who want to, like, rise up against the... Yeah. That is Bill Nye. Yeah, who is Bill Nye? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bill Nye. It's yeah. like the opposite of who Bill Nye should be. Yeah, exactly. And essentially features in the film for like I mean, hey, five minutes. He is Davy Jones, so we can't necessarily think he's good all the time. Dude, he's also the fucking like head vampire in Underworld. Yeah. Where he plays like Kate uh, Beckinsale's like father figure. Uh, I see. Like this film. It's big underworld vibes, for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, Yeah, so, like, I don't know, I guess, like, yeah, the the Resistance uh, are fighting against Cohagen, who I guess is is Brian Cranston, and is also, like, the Chancellor uh, of something. I I wanted to say, I want to know where this is in the Breaking Bad timeline. Like, 2012... Surely he was already doing Breaking Bad at, in 2012, Yeah, I think right? so. Like, I think so. Yeah, I mean, definitely. When did it start? 2008. Yeah, it was nearly over! Breaking Bad was like, he, he was already, like, he had fucking multiple Emmys. He was like the toast of Hollywood when he decided, yeah. you know what I'm going to do? Total Recall. Such a weird decision. <laughs> uh, now, something I something I had to uh, be specific about here. Do you get any information on one Carl Hauser um, at this at this time? In your no. coming on. No. Because also we a, got okay. some information... About and the, okay, this has got this is don't, let's not dig in too much because it's pretty uh-huh. fucking buck wild. But um, there's some discussion about Matthias's right hand man being one Carl Hauser. Oh, with a headshot of Ethan Hawke. <laughs> that would have been amazing. What are we missing out on? <laughs> that is so confusing. What a nice What does that meant to imply? Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, Ben, we'll, we'll get to it. Don't worry. Oh, so there's Don't more worry. of this Ethan Hawke subplot? <laughs> Fuck, man. You could just be making this up and we would not know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> okay, does that come back later in the extended cut? Or well, is... like, well, yeah, it comes back. Yeah, like we... There's at least one more scene where it's relevant, yeah. Quaid, Colin Farrell's on his way to work. He lives in the colony. He's on his way into the factory where he makes synthetic police units, which are these Robocops that we've seen a couple of times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's getting into the, the fall with his buddy, this guy named Harry, this dude that he works with. Uh, they're, you know, getting into this symbol of capitalist oppression, the fall, on their way to work. But also, like, one thing I had to say, like, calling the, a big elevator the fall seems like really bad pub- like yeah, publicity. Yeah, yeah, right? really, really bad. Now, he does see an ad for recall, which is pretty, pretty good to get this Wait, out there. Is, is that mm-hmm. when, um, when he leaves? No, it's before he gets in. No, yeah, it's before he gets in. before he gets in, because he's like, oh, yeah, recall, hey. And then the little billboard that has recall on it is like, we can remember it for you. But then they don't say wholesale. 
because the time, yeah. which is, you know, I mean, to be fair, that's a good call. I feel like if you wanted to, yeah, it would have been a strange thing to say. So Quaid is is getting into the fall. He's talking to Harry. He's just kind of like, isn't it weird how we like sit in the same seats every time? <laughs> yep. and, so, and so Harry's like, all right, let's just swap seats then, dude. Yep. No, he, and they do, and he's like, whoa, so much better on that side. He pulls that line where he's like, "We have asses." Seems like the logical thing to do. Yep. Which yes, I. Why? It's true. They do have. They do have asses. Why, like that why? is. That is I'm like true. <laughs> Most humans do. Oh goodness! Yeah, yeah, even in this world. But it's just such a bad line. Yeah. Every nothing. I don't know. Nothing really hit for me. Yeah, it's it's, it's also go on. then followed by us actually seeing the fall in action. Uh, in action, including as they move. Like so, they they're getting towards like the core of the earth, mm-hmm. and we get these warnings of mm-hmm. a gravity reversal incoming, which is where as they travel past the core, like they lose gravity essentially, and it's inverted, and everything like sort of flips upside down. Yeah. Um, as they move between now, the uh, separate parts. Uh, allow of, me of to the just earth. point out that this is not how this works. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> none, Thank of, you, none of this is how this works. No. And uh, you would. You might uh, be surprised to find, Jackson, that the IMDb community had a lot to say <laughs> really? about this particular aspect I'm of shocked. the movie. Yeah, so this is where <laughs> pretty much all of my Mighty Goofs for this movie are fall-related. So I'm going to yeah. just dive right into some of what the IMDb community had to say about this. For the fall to travel the diameter of the Earth in 17 minutes, it would have to maintain an average speed of over 45,000 kilometers per hour. At this speed, it would be impossible for anyone to survive standing on the outside because of both the airflow and the high temperatures resulting from friction. If the fall is free-falling and assuming no resistance, the occupants would be weightless for the entire trip. However, people were shown in normal gravity, except for the midpoint flip. At 1G, the trip would take 42 minutes, a lot more than the 17 minutes as suggested in the movie. Therefore, the capsule has to be accelerating slash decelerating at higher rates the entire time. To travel 8,000 miles in 17 minutes, the fall has to have an average speed of 28,235 miles per hour. At those speeds, the ship would have to be travelling in a vacuum, or the fall would burn up with the friction of the air. (laughs) It would just incinerate as it travels through the earth. Not to mention they go directly through Earth's molten core. So pretty silly, pretty stupid thing altogether. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're standing there now. They've arrived at their their work in the United Federation of Britain, and they're like, "Yeah." Oh, Quaid's like, "I want to go to Recall," and Harry's like, "You shouldn't do that." My friend went there, and they fucked up his brain real good. And like, this was kind of like a direct play for play of how it played out in the original, but at least yeah. this, this felt a little less pained. They weren't fucking like jackhammering yeah. away. Like, <laughs> yeah. at least it was like a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like getting ready for work. Hey. Fuck, this is literally exactly what we said they should have done. Do you remember what it was like the original the original And the conversation starts with Arnie trying to yell over the jackhammering. We were like, like, why did this have to take place during jackhammering? They decided against it. Yeah. yeah, so I guess their job is to make these synthetic cops. Quaid gets the job of teaching the new guy how to make synthetic cops, so he does that. And this new guy is a really weird character. Uh, yes. Strange. Like, all he serves to do is 
spruik recall and carry around recall business cards. Because he basically but also it's not like it's not like in like in the other film where like this conversation was bubbling up and that sort of thing. It was like anyone was like go to recall, but if it was, you'd be like, is this part of the conspiracy or the plot? Yeah. This guy isn't related in any way. No. He just fucking loves recall. Yeah, I mean that's his whole thing. He was so He's weird. like, dude, go to recall. I, I literally like I was like, okay, this must be part of the conspiracy. I bet this character's gonna come back. Like we're gonna see him later, right? No, he's literally just a dude who works with Quaid now, who's like, man, you know what I love? Recall. You should check it out. I always carry one of their business cards with me and gives him a business card. That being said, there is one piece of evidence that he might not be a normal factory worker, and that is this mighty goof. When Quaid shows the new guy where to safely hold parts on the robot they're assembling, in the next shot, the new guy doesn't seem to take any notice and puts his hands in the unsafe positions again and continues working. <laughs> I think he's a one-day temp sent to infiltrate Quaid's workplace. And they suggest that when Quaid... Is it Quaid is talking to Harry? Yeah. And who, by yeah, the way, is a very so shifty. beige character. He's so... I found Harry so uninspiring. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then... Yeah, this guy's just, like, shiftily, like, looking over his shoulder, like, oh, okay, obviously, through cinematography, framing, all that, we don't trust this guy. Then he, all he does is just prompts Harry, I mean, Doug back, and then he disappears. Yeah, all the shots seem to imply that this is a person of importance in some way, they're involved in something, and then we literally never see them again. And that is such a common theme throughout the whole film, and it is so (laughs) devastating, because it's like... What are you yeah. doing, Len? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he doesn't even yeah. really get a name. I think he's just the new guy. No. He's the temp, yeah. Yeah, the fucking, the guy. Can I just make a stylistic comment quickly? Please. I wish you would. <laughs> Moving from the colony, which is obviously pretty Darrow, I have my issues <laughs> with it, like, in terms of, it, it's 2012, it's not like, you know, we didn't have the technology, CGI-wise. They rendered the shit out of this film, obviously, but they didn't yes. do a good job of it, in that they overcrowded it so much that it actually became less believable. Your mind can't focus, and you actually generally just don't believe it. There's definitely a weird mishmash of styles at yeah. play. It is kind of yeah. interesting. The, the set designer was Patrick. He's Greek, obviously. It's something like Tatopoulos or something. Tatopoulos. Um, Tatopoulos, there we go. Man, reading things about what he said about this set, I was like, dude, you're talking it up so much. He said he had a very extended uh, pre-production sort of session uh, time period with Len Wiseman and I just don't believe that and I'm going to be completely honest um, I just feel like this is such a like oh let's just pump out your standard yeah brown yeah. beige action thriller yes yeah. it's just grit you know yeah. yes, it's kind of exactly. like let's, let's, let's get all the shots looking real dirty, dirty. Just yeah. dirty. there's like a lot more yeah. visual there's a lot more visual information but it, it just becomes like beige because it's all just like the same exactly so uh, Quaid goes into his boss's office finds out he didn't get a promotion they went with someone from outside oh. and so he's a sad boy and he go home and drink and uh, then he go and drink with Harry in a bar and interesting oh is interesting. there more <laughs> Um, I didn't get the promotion thing. Instead, uh, ha- um, instead, Quaid had to have a meeting with this dude from the government. Oh, what? Coming in and <laughs> was uh, checking in on everyone that worked for the synths 
because um, it was like confidential sort of like information, yep. they had to sign sign these NDAs so they wouldn't like reveal this information to anyone. And because they were from the colony and there was all the terrorism stuff happening in the colony, they were like, we're checking in on everyone to make sure you're not working with the terrorists and with Matthias. And then like uh, Quaid was being a real dick about it, being like, oh yeah, like why are you asking me, huh? I don't see you asking that dude out there. What the fuck's wrong with you? But... It's a, it's a real shame because I actually gave an LVP to the government dude because he was like oh, so bad at his job. The mysterious and his whole... government boy who's unnamed. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, leave it in there because uh, got to say M and LVPs are few and far between in this beige yep. beige movie. <laughs> so yes. let's, let's leave it in the mix. I guess like Quaid is like, you know, he's, he's sad with his life. Like he feels like there should be more than like he commuting really wants through. to play the piano. Yeah. He's like, you know what would be great if I could just play the piano. <laughs> But moreover, in a general sense, he's dissatisfied with his life. He feels yeah. like there should be something more than commuting through the core of the earth every day. And Harry just continuously, like, shits on his dreams. Yeah, he's Harry's always like, like, come no, on, man. Be brave. Be there's, even alive. There's nothing wrong with building synths all day. He starts talking about his dreams and then proceeds to just be such a dick. Where he's like, this bar sucks, this beer sucks, yeah, our like, lives no suck. Offense. Yeah, no offense, Murray. It's like the bar. And this is where I would like to again comment on my disappointment with like Len not using Colin, Colin Farrell to his full potential. Yeah. Because one of my favourite movies, and it's definitely not, I think, a popular one, but it's this sort of British neo-noir film uh, called London Boulevard that has Colin Farrell in it with Kira Knightley, actually. It's a winner. Um, and he spends a lot of time in pubs and bars as an Irishman also. And he's got great bar banter. And it's amazing. Okay. And just it, you can see it's natural for him. And why was his bar banter not used in this film? All he drops is that no offense line. Yeah. And it's just... Yeah, it's uh, because yeah. this is an American movie for Americans and nothing's allowed to be subtle. So, uh, <laughs> Harry cautions him from being a big dummo and is like, don't go to recall. That would be a silly thing to do. Yeah, they walk outside. Harry's like... Oh, I had a lot to drink, but don't go to recall, you son of a bitch. Don't, yep. I'm going to go throw up. And yep. then, Literally um, on everything. That's why I think he said he's going to go throw up on everything or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yes. like, I'm going to go throw up on something. And then we're now in a dubstep red light district, <laughs> yeah. which Quaid is just walking through. I and it's was, a lot. I was very into the aesthetic of this scene. Oh, it was he's good. walking <laughs> through this fucking techno punk shit where there's like... Like, people getting, like, street-side tattoos, but they're, like, the glowing tattoos. tattoos yeah. yeah, which are, like, you know, a reference to, like... Do you remember when there was that chick with the nails in the original? She was, like, touching yeah, the pen yeah, yeah, nails yeah. and changing their colour. That kind of... You know, that that's that fun tech shit. That remakeability point. That fun, fun tech world. We also get an interaction with... The three-titted lady! Yes! <laughs> Where she basically just pops up and is like, Yo, what's good? Like, check this out. Make you, go, make you wish you had three hands, yeah. which is a nice callback. It's a lazy, to, um, lazy nod. Also, very lazy. Also, how does this woman exist in a film that isn't about mutants and Mars? I mean, obviously, like, body modification. Looks, There's a sure, strong body is, mod vibe. This is the only... Oh, but it's, but in it's, this, in it's this scene, like, in this scene alone, there is, and oh, I guess like the hand implanted phone. But it's all, later, yeah. But it's also, yeah. But it's like tech, like uh, augmentation, right? Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like additional body parts. And so, for some reason, just just at this point in the film, it's like, oh, that lady has three breasts. And then it's like never. Like, yeah, everyone yeah. else yeah, after that's like, I've got phones in my hand. Not have and shit. that. Like if, if exactly. you were going to remake they had the whole it, film, that's the one so thing upset. you have to keep. They could have done. No, of course. Better, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into it. Yeah, because prosthetics, by the way, one of our points of remakeability. So you know, maybe Jackson, maybe you shouldn't be so hard on it. No, I think they just should have done it more. Like, <laughs> just more they should have been more like three-titted oh, ladies. 
No, more tits on one lady. <laughs> yeah. Dude, just one giant tit, just one walking tit. Oh, man, wish, wish you had one big hand. <laughs> I feel like no one pushed shit far enough in this film. I mean, it's 2012, yeah, you're right. man. You're right, this is what the film was missing, was a giant walking tit that walked well, around. Actually, giant walking tit and that I'm going to call out my LVP now and I'm just going to say it was Harry I hated Harry supported <laughs> me and he was just a one big old tit alright a giant walking tit very good so Quaid goes to this cool sexy memory booth where this lady at the desk is like ooh I bet you'll remember this and then he like walks through a window and she's like try and have a good time and it's just like very sexualized for no real reason and then he goes and gets in the little bed it's kind of like you know he's he's now kind of ruminating on the nature of human experience in a very very inception uh blurring line dream reality type thing which was one of the recommendability points also uh he's talking to the tech and i fucking hated this guy i don't know why he was so like Creepy. He's like and the type of guy you meet at a bar who's telling you that. Oh, actually, I shouldn't name professions, but like he that he's this big shot, but yeah. you can just smell it on him that he's not, and yeah. you can visually what he's saying and how he looks is it just doesn't match up, and it's yeah. like I'm Loki smiling and trying to sell this thing to you, but what I as a viewer yeah. you just yeah. don't believe it. You're like. Dude, you're just showing me that this yeah, is dodgy. Yeah, he sucked. I got these like like shitty car salesman vibes. Yeah, like he's all like <laughs> he's all like, "Do you want to be a big boy? You can be a spy. You can be, you anything. Can be anything. Something and then secret." Like, immediately he's like, "Spy, spy." Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, and, and then, and then basically much. foreshadows the plot of the movie where he's uh, like, "You could be a spy yeah. for the resistance or Cohagen." Or both. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> Fucking bravo, man. I wrote down, I was like, why drop the answer in yeah. that soon? Like- the plot of the movie is foreshadowed. Uh, yeah, so I gave this boy an LVP for just being a creepy shit. Although I did also want to point out a very funny thing you said, Renette, uh, at this point in, in, in our watch of the film, oh. which is where he was like, you could imagine something secret you've always wanted to try, at which point you just said, like, three tits. It's <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. very fun. What, how did you feel about this boy, Jacko? Please, please tell me how you felt about this boy while I look up where he is now. Because he looked kind of familiar, and I want to do a where, where are they now on him. I think it was in Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants. I'm going to drop that out in there. It's John Cho. It's fucking John Cho from Harold and Kumar. Yeah, that's like who it is! Films. That's who it is! It's like, the Harold and Kumar like guy. He, yeah, I was trying to remember he's actually who like, He's actually pretty like well-known as an actor. Like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's also in he Star Trek. He looks so Asuma. different with the yeah. peroxide blonde hair. He looks so different he when not he's next. Sister of the Traveling when... Pants. <laughs> 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 he's not in Sister <laughs> of the Traveling Pants. Uh, fuck. He looks so different. When he's standing next to Cal Penn, who is Kumar, right? I mean, like, together, they're recognisable. But alone, it's kind of like, you know, you can't even see one. One real fun thing about his uh, Wikipedia page is that he is best known as Harold Lee in the Harold and Kumar films. Uh John, in brackets, MILF guy number two. (laughs) Who popularised the term MILF in the American Pie films. Was he the guy who who said the MILF thing? Milf thing. Like, oh. Good actors in this movie. Oh, good actor. <laughs> <laughs> He's a you good know, actor. Milf guy. Oh. Why is Milf guy in this movie? Oh, I didn't know American Pie came up with Milf. Yeah, dude. 
Oh, yeah, that's dude. That's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Similar terms? Similar terms, yeah. <laughs> Yummy, although, mummy. Yeah, although not yet as widespread in popular culture at large, the form's DILF for dad or daddy I'd <gasps> like to fuck. Filth? Or filth. <laughs> the father I'd like. Father I'd oh, like goodness. to fuck. Okay, that's... <laughs> That's absurd. Are used among androphiles to yeah. refer to sexually attractive older men. Yeah, you mm. go. Who's likely a father. Oh, in 2012, a resident of the US state of Washington applied for a vanity license plate reading God Milf. Wow. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's oh. gross. All right, thank you, John Cho, for bringing Milf to the world. Let's let's get back to it, shall we? He decides that he wants to be a spy in his secret imagination. Shit, I guess we should, like... Just in case anyone's happening to listen to this who hasn't heard the last one, like, the idea of this is they implant false memories that, like, make you feel like you've lived cool life experiences, which is what appeals to Quaid. And so they're like, <laughs> we can implant memories of you being a spy. There's conversation here where he's like, an illusion is an illusion no matter how good it looks. Yeah. Yep. And, then, and, and, and then he's like, yeah, but, like, you know, like, if, like, objectively, yeah, but subjectively, all the brain chemistry is the same, and so what, mm. like... Why Why isn't that real? Yeah. And that's like the sort of last little tip that we have before he's like thrown into this chair. They say, none of it can be real. We can't try and implant a memory yeah. of a real event in your it's life. so insane. Because something will fuck it up. It, it's like a weird plot device thing where they're like, yeah, we're just going to have to run a quick scan on you to make sure that none of the weird spy stuff that you want is your actual life. And then... Like, they start loading up uh, a file on a screen called Secret Agent File, which is the fucking just laziest thing to have on screen. Yeah, because it's yeah. got all this, like, symbol yeah, text, yeah. and then just one Secret English Agent word. File. Secret Agent File. Yeah, Secret Agent File. It's like, wow. Yeah. Pretty, pretty lazy. But they're doing their scan on him to make sure it's not real, because apparently that'll ruin the machine. And oh no, it turns out it's real! He really is a spy! This is actually handled worse than the way this went in the original <laughs> movie, I thought. Which is where they start doing it, and Arnie just freaks out, and they're like, huh, it must all have been real, and, and the recall process just triggered it in his brain, as opposed to, like, they scan him, they don't even start the recall process, they find out he's a spy, and then John Cho pulls a gun on him for some reason, and he's like, you're a spy, I gotta kill you now! <laughs> Which makes... And then, seconds, seconds... No the sense! The police, or the police, or well, they look like stormtroopers, yeah. just all rush in there. Exactly! Fucking all these, like, like human police. It's like they all set him up to go find his memories again. But also, why aren't they Robocops? Like, we know there are Robocops in this world. Why yeah. are they sending real human police in? It's also worth noting real quick, though, in terms of the setup for this, is that, like, they actually, they start the process. Like, they're like, oh, get it out before it mm. actually sinks in. But they have actually started it. And so there's a possibility that, that maybe this is all part of the dream. Also... They give him a little peace sign tattoo <laughs> on his right arm, which is uh, a relevant design element. Yeah, but Very it's obvious, way too obvious. But relevant. Turns out that Quaid is a fucking spy, I guess, because he just fucking murders like 30 people. Leg break, gun steal, shoot, and shoot, like, human shield, Jason shoot, Bourne. shoot. Yeah, fucking full Jason Bourne. But they're hitting <laughs> that ultra violence, baby, which yeah. is one of the points of remakeability from this movie. They then roll straight from that into another point of uh, remakeability in like the tech, because outside we see there are further cops waiting out there. Stevens, get an eyeball in there now! <laughs> 
As soon as they said that, before the thing actually happened, I just pictured in my head, like, Colin Farrell standing in this room, like, all these coffers around him, and just a glass eye just rolls, like, slowly <laughs> into frame, and just stops you know, on the ground. Comedy for once. Yeah, yeah. No, instead they fire in, like, a little dart that shoot. This is so weird. There's cameras, It's yeah. a dart that explodes into a bunch of cameras that then are just, like... It's just so useless. It's like big data. Because now they've got like 30 camera feeds of oh, the well, same room. Oh, they can room. definitely see him. But they also like, have uh, what the yeah, temperature... They um, then make like a 3D rendering of the room. But yeah. like one to two cameras is surely just as good. Yeah. Like just put cameras in and see what's in Where's the Where's he going to hide in yeah. this one single room? I thought they were going to be little bombs. Would have, and made, then, would have made more sense. And then they don't make any use of the 3D rendering. No. Because literally what they do is they're like... He's alone no, in there. Let's go. And they just go in the room. <laughs> like, you have fucking 30 cameras in there. Watch what he's doing. He's, he's very clearly going around and, like, collecting, like, uh, grenades and shit yeah, like yeah. that. And they're like, cool. He's just wandering around there by himself. He's alone. Let's go in. Like, yeah. I think the eyeball thing is actually quite fascinating if used properly. Mm. These fuckers just don't know how to use it. One comment on the cinematography, which this is one of the only points in the film that really stood out for me because it felt like a computer game where, and this is in the like intense action scene where they were like padding it around zooming in zooming out there was a smooth transition I, I liked it because it wasn't obviously wasn't meant to feel natural and from a human point of view it felt like you were in sort it, it was a virtual reality feel and it felt like it was being controlled by technology, and I thought that was something effective, and it should have been used throughout the rest of the film <laughs> and the action scenes, but it's like, all they've done in this film is, let's do one good thing and just leave it there. Let's just leave it, move on, and continue <laughs> to do 10 million other things, so by the end, you're so confused and you just hated all of it. Yeah, so like we find out that this recall is like in some floating city, because he like, yeah, goes out this little trapdoor to escape the fucking SWAT team that's storming in, and he's just like hanging from a grate underneath like the trapdoor. I mean, he's so unimpressive. Why again, is it there? Underused Colin Farrell. Like, yeah. Yeah. So then, basically, he escapes by, like, swinging on this crate and landing on a fucking walkway that's just there for some reason, and then, like, running through this really, like, fucking high-octane cityscape that's no, elevated above the, the ground. He does classic, like, run-through apartments where people live, which is yeah. in every single action film, once yeah. again, so Jason Bourne. But you, what bothered me, like, for the first bit of that was you hear all the screams of people, but you don't actually see people until like the last bit of this running through apartments bit where it's just like breaks up a family dinner and that's yeah. it but oh they put the screams in there you know yeah I think that apartment run through bit is actually later when he's being chased by Laurie but it is oh. also very true oh right right um, uh, one of our favourite things to comment on is off screen extras that are just like <laughs> interjecting random elements into the film oh, that's fucking a prime example so Quaid gets home uh, he finds his wife Laurie in the middle of a very sus phone call she's like mm-hmm, yes I understand and he's like Laurie I killed a bunch of people and she's like she what you didn't kill anyone what you killed 20 armed men and he's like no more like 10 and he's like trust me i killed everyone which is such, such a, a good title thing to say trust me i killed everyone she's like no 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 you didn't kill anyone baby it's just you went to recall and they messed with your brain she gives him a big hug but then tries to turn it into a kill move yes! she's trying to strangle him it's very gladiator yeah they, very gladiator. they bust into a fucking full-blown fight it's just like the original laurie is a spy actually sent to kill him her they, accent changes yes she yeah, has a british accent 
all of a sudden, yes. And then yes. it's like, oh, we've got Kate uh, Beckinsale, and she's British, and now I respect her. Yeah, she actually crushes <laughs> it in this scene. Uh, they have a big Mr. and Mrs. Smith-esque <laughs> fight in yes. their apartment. Where they're and she like, does that cool move where she's, like, sliding on her knees, and then she, like, it turns into, like, strangling I, him yeah, with, between her knees. Yeah, with her legs, yeah. <laughs> she, like, jumps up and, like, strangles oh. him with her legs. Yeah, it's fucking this crazy <laughs> very, fight very where they're, like, spicy. kicking each other through windows and shit. He gets the upper hand, and he's, like, holding her at gunpoint, and she's like, fine, I guess I'll just vomit exposition at you now. And she's like, I'm not really your wife, I'm a spy. Uh, Cohagen wanted you kept alive. He, they wiped your memory and implanted a false memory of you being Doug Quaid. I don't know anything about you. You must be really important, though, or they wouldn't have bothered with this. Anyway, your whole life is a lie. And he's like, what? How did I? Hmm? At which point she says, I give good wife. Which is a really fucking weird thing to say. I give good wife. And uh, then... Also, like, I don't know, I just work here. Yeah, he's like, why would this happen? And she's just, I don't know, I just work here. I just work where, though, Yeah, (laughs) Work at wife, where I give good wife. (laughs) I give good wife. (laughs) Maybe maybe she meant she has several copies of The Good Wife Season 1 on DVD, (laughs) and she likes to give them out as Christmas presents. Once again, MVP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. MVP, though. I actually like Kate Beckinsale in this scene. She's pretty good. From here, like, like, the fight breaks out into a chase, as, like, they're both going for a gun, and then, like... Somehow she gets the upper hand again. And, like, he's on the run. Yeah, and they, he, like, slides through a window, like, out of the house, and then just starts running. And yep. then we just have this chase. Um, honestly, there's not too much more to say about it other than the fact that we're running through this beige city. And, yeah. like, he's just, as he does for the rest of the film, just throwing himself at things. Like, yeah. every time there's an object, he's like, I'll just, like, throw my body like a rag doll and crash into it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Laurie is the fucking Terminator, which is ironic, <laughs> considering Arnold Schwarzenegger's not in this one. Yeah. But she's just fucking, like, yeah, like, shooting holes in floors and, like, jumping through them and, like, landing in superhero pose. Like, she's fucking unstoppable. Yeah, she does a and lot I of superhero it. pose. She's so, yeah. like, she's also the most stylish out of everyone. Oh, definitely. What gets me with these films, and I know it's a silly point, but it's always like, wow, high-tech, future, let's all still dress Let's all wear black leather. Yeah. Yeah, just just that. So Quaid is a robot killing expert because I guess, you know how it's like, you know, you know how like your parents know exactly how to kill you because they know all your weak points? I guess it's kind of like that, of course. Because, you know, that's how it works. (laughs) He makes makes the robots, he's kind of like the robot's dad, so he knows how to kill them really well. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Uh, so he gets away, and then his hand ring, and it turns <laughs> out he have a phone in hand. And I, I, I wanted to know, did he know he had the phone in his hand before? Because like, no, it's, it's no not way. clear. It's not clear because like I don't know. In this world, is that a normal thing? Like having a phone implanted in your hand? But here's the other thing. Like, sure, maybe it was subtle. Maybe it's something you just weren't aware of. But yeah. when he cuts it out. Just jumping a little bit. Yep. It doesn't look subtle. It's yeah. like buttons in your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, on the, quite on the surface so it, of it, it. It starts glowing under his hand, and he just, like, answers it, and he's like, hello, and talking <laughs> to his hand. And this, this is why I'm like, did, did he know about this? Like, is this a thing people have? Like, is this a fun bit of tech lots of people have where they have hand phones? But I guess it's implied that he doesn't know what it is or how it works, because the person yeah. he's talking to is like, find a piece of glass, and he puts his hand on a bit of glass, and then the guy's face, like, projects up on the thing, and it's this guy called Hammond, who is here now, who passes on a message from the old Quaid, and he's like, Quaid, you told me if you ever resurfaced to get a message to you. You gotta go get 
the first bank, box 10549. You said you'd know what that meant. And Quaid's to Hammond's like, what the fuck are you I talking about? What is this? And he's like, I can't help you. You said to get you this message. I gotta it's go. Too risky. And, and then he's like, if I was you, I'd get that phone out of your hand. And he's like, oh boy. <laughs> and then, like, we get the closest thing to a body horror scene in this movie because yeah. there's no fucking yeah. aliens in the side of bodies. So, so I guess I guess this is, yeah, it, it's not even particularly good. Like, I, I hesitate to give this the remakeability point for mm. body horror because it's very light on. This is such a tiny incision. I wish he could have just pulled off all of his skin. Yeah, he could have degloved himself. Yeah. So he find he finds a bottle uh, like just on the ground, breaks it, takes oh, a shard of glass, so does, a, does a tiny incision into his hand, and then just like very easily just like wedges out this like, this like Little inner hand of phone. Yeah. And it's like, oh cool, that's how they were tracking me. And just hands it to a random dude. Yeah, yeah this random kid. This random, not even homeless, this random just like street kid is just like, yo, mister, can I have your hand phone? <laughs> that is just, not my personal problem. It just gives it to him, yeah. Laurie talking to Cohagen on her hand phone, and she's like, he's like, how did you fuck this up? And she's like, no one told me he was a fucking super spy. You just told me to watch the guy. No, Which but- seems like a really bad management, right? Like, you'd be like, hey, this guy's dangerous to the person you're setting to watch them. But what they do is like, she also puts her hand on the screen yeah, yeah. and then they're talking he's like take me off the monitor yeah. and then they're like all intense she's just talking on the hand phone yeah. her face shows it all and you're like Ooh, yeah. what could it be? There's some secret information there. So she hangs up and she goes to like her retinue of random cronies and she's like, we kill him on sight. And then they're like, what? But weren't we supposed to take him live? And she's like, this fucker is dangerous. <laughs> like, he'll kill us all if he gets a I'm chance. I'm Kate Beckinsale and you yeah. listen to what I say. Yeah, so like we're getting a little like, uh, I don't know, fucking characterization for, for yeah. Quaid here. A bit of insubordination like, as well. Yeah, and, and yeah, so for both, but also like fucking apparently Quaid is really dangerous. At least Laurie thinks so. Uh, but I like this chick at this point. She gets shit done. She finds the boy who, because you know they track the phone to the the street boy who Quaid mm. gave the phone to, and the boy's like, "Hey, this is my phone now. That guy gave it to me." And she just punches him in the throat. <laughs> and then she's and like, like <gasps> "She's like, all right, just tell me which way he went. You fucking idiot. We don't care about the phone." Oh my god. And then now we're back with Quaid, and he's at Sci-Fi Gringotts. Yeah, that's what it looked like. So he's he's walking through the f- uh, f- first bank, which is great the, they, name. They great they dated name. that. Imaginative, yeah. right? Welcome to the first bank. Um, Very imaginative. I guess probably not the safest though, right? Like, mm, no, exactly. Anyway. I, I'll take um, the third bank, thanks. After they, yeah, thank it. you very much. <laughs> um, so he, he's got he's going through rocks up and is like, "Hello, uh, my name is uh, my name is Quaid, and I'm here to say I have a safe uh, yeah. deposit box for me today." And then he goes and he gets it. Well, <laughs> importantly, he doesn't say Quaid. He's, he's, he says Henry. Uh, gets through, and they're like, yep, no worries, come on through. I just need your signature to get in. And he's, like, sitting there being like, I don't know what my fucking name is. And then the dude's like, <laughs> is there a problem, Mr. Reed? And he's like, huh, no. And then just, like, I guess just, like, makes up a signature, which is the perfect example of the signature that he made last time. But, like, what are the odds that, you, <laughs> that you're, like... Henry Reed, what's the signature for that? And you would do it exactly the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know what you mean, buddy. It's pretty it's pretty silly. And then he gets the safe deposit box and he opens it. And okay, I'm not sure about this. I wanted to have another look. I'm gonna pull it up quickly. I think it was Barack Obama on some of the money. Like, yes, correct. Really? I, was it okay? Barack Obama. That right? Okay, yes, so yeah, like yes, some yes. of the future money has Barack Obama on it, which I'm way into. I think Obama would be sweet on like the two hundred dollar bill. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I was very disappointed in the fact that this bank was pretty simple. 
it wasn't super high tech like it could have been. It yeah. was like, oh, what's well, the is- first one? That's, 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 that's <laughs> it's the very first one. Okay, very cool. Yeah, very fair cool. enough. Fair enough. We can't no give it too much of a hard time. Sense now. Uh, he finds a bunch of passports <laughs> and money and shit and some like cool necklace, and he gets a data file from himself, uh, which is a nice, yes. nice throwback to the scene, the iconic scene uh, where where Quaid sits and, and listens to himself telling himself to get his ass to Mars. But there is no get your ass to Mars this time. Uh, he's basically just like. He, he's like in the hospital gown. It's like Quaid kind of like from the start where we saw him, I guess, in whatever institution mm. he was in. And he's like, yo, I've only got a minute before they get me. If you're watching this, they must have wiped my memory and made you think you're not me. Uh, get to my apartment. Find the key. You know what to do with it. And then he gets captured by these Robocops. And that's it. That's now, Benjamin, quite quite interesting because in my <laughs> mind, <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, in addition to the memory thing... He also talks about, like, hey, look at me, like, this isn't your face. They've just, they've sculpted over our face and given us a new one to hide who we think. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it we Ethan Hawke? Ethan Hawke, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's cool. So this explains the Ethan Hawke thing. I guess they decided to just leave it out because it adds nothing to the movie. Um, Ethan so, Hawke adds a lot to a movie. Yeah, so... <laughs> not this one. Yeah. Now we get a pretty much, uh, like, really... Okay, so he goes through some customs or something, and he's put on this collar, so he's, like, you know, masquerading as different people. But we also get what I have to assume is, like, a nod to the lady. The fat lady. The fat lady. Because, green. Yeah, exactly. There's, like, a, a lady trying to get through customs, and they're like, how long are you here? And she's like, two weeks. Same and at line. this point, you're like, oh, fuck, this is two weeks, lady, from the original movie. It's going to be quite inside. But no, we pan across to a different guy also going through customs who is able to, like, answer questions by saying more than just two weeks over and over again, which just, okay... This scene, whilst being a lot less fun and a lot less intense, made so much more sense in this movie than in the original. Yeah. So it's like Quaid, he's wearing this collar which like projects a hologram of a different face so he can pretend to not be him. And he's like, yeah, I'm a different person. But then his collar starts glitching out anyway. It just like glitches out and fucks up. And some random off-screen extra is like, that's him! <laughs> which like, makes a lot more sense because they can actually see that it's Quaid rather than just going out on a limb and saying this random woman is Quaid. But, uh... <coughs> So that technology yeah. is used only twice in the film. Yeah, it's yeah. not even a prominent yeah. thing. It's not like oh, everyone's got a little secret head mask thing. So he runs away somehow. I, I, this is another thing. Where I'm like, what's the point in having this scene? Because like, he goes in there to try and get through customs. It doesn't work, and then he just runs through, and everything's fine anyway. Because like, he, he runs away, and then he's like in a big magnetic car chase. He gets picked up by uh, Jessica Biel. He stumbles out onto this highway, and there's all these She's cars there. zooming past, She's and right. boom! Jessica Biel parks next to him and is like, "Come with me if you want to live." And then uh, <laughs> he, he gets in the car, and they start zip zap speeding away. And this is the point where I was like. Is there just no Mars in this movie? Because we're halfway Honestly, through the, the movie. the disappointment was that like, We're halfway through the movie and they haven't even mentioned going to Mars. Uh, so yeah, there's this big car chase and not really a lot to say about it. They're in these magnetic cars no. zooming around, jumping over stuff. They go underneath the road, but they're still zooming along in it because it's magnetic, I guess. Uh, like, meanwhile, Quaid and uh, Melina, who is um, Jessica Biel's character's name, are discussing how... Uh, like she's like what is that your wife what do you mean you have a wife and he's like it's safe to say we're separated which is not <laughs> not to yeah. consider this a divorce that's my yeah. Bonnie consider is- this a divorce <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 
Uh, I didn't think this car chase actually looked very good. No. I didn't think the car looked sucked, very good. It sucked, dude. I gotta like, be honest, like, I was pretty sleepy watching this, and I mm. very nearly dozed off here. Because it's just like, it was so long, and so, yeah. e- like, every car looks the same. And so it's just like, ex- exterior shots of cars moving, and then in- interior shots of, like, the actors we know, like, being like, come on, or get him, or whatever. And yeah, then, yeah, like, yeah. just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's like, this is terrible. Yeah, it's like a and dragon. Until he like, goes this sucks. Cold. He just goes cold and they just drop. Yeah. And there's this... That was yeah. kind of nice. He, he the like, moment of silence and then they drop it in London and it's the Big Ben. Yeah, like, this happened? is so weird. He basically like pulls some module out of the car that basically turns off the Which engine. So seems crazy. Yeah, like. so they fall out of the sky. But then for some reason... Now that they're falling down towards the surface world, oh none of the cops can follow them. Yeah. Like, why can't they just follow them? that him? is why I was like, okay, maybe it's like, he went cold. Maybe it's he tracking. I was like, but it's not because there's no reference to that. At yeah, it's point. literally like they're zooming along in this big sky world where they all live. He decides to drop their car down into the surface world, which... We're going to have to briefly discuss why there are two different cities here and one of them is in the sky and one of them is on the ground and they are completely different and seemingly completely unconnected. Like, I literally just could not understand what this was about. I like the contrast, I just don't know where it It, came from. It's like, this like lower, like ground city just looks like a slightly modern London. Yeah. Like, it's so weird to go from this fucking Blade Runner-esque, like sci-fi future world up in the sky to and like... And he just drops onto this other car and yeah, melts it. And- yeah, exactly. So yeah, he drops his mag car down onto the road where there are normal cars driving around on the normal ground streets and then like reactivates his module and it crushes the other car that he lands on top of. And then they get out and it's just like... What, it's literally like they've moved universes. Like, they're in a different world. This was the first of the two distinct stylistic changes that this movie takes. And like, it, yeah. it just takes a hard right turn. All of a sudden, they're in regular London. It was so weird. He takes her to his apartment, which he obviously just knew where it was. Yeah, he found his house. Okay, um, fine. It wipes the blood away and, oh, she's awake. Um, yeah. It's a nice spy romance scene now, rather than a cyberpunk thriller. So, Again, whatever. disappointing though. Yeah. So he sits down at the piano. Of course, he does know how to play the piano. Ha ha ha. At this point, yeah. if you've been paying attention to the fact that he needs to find a key and know what to do with it, you're probably thinking, it's a piano key. And guess what? It is a piano key. Because he sits down to play some Beethoven on his piano, and basically he touches this one key and it doesn't sound right. And he picks it up and he puts it, like, he fucks with it and he's like, oh, this is the key. And then, like, he plays some more music on it and, like, I guess, like, the piano opens up into, like, a fun secret safe. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he gets another and then message. the screen happens between those two ornaments that look Middle Eastern. Yeah. And I was like, with this con- exceptionally contemporary, super all-white, modern apartment, you've got those two out-of-place elements which kind of you know makes sense considering it's like oh this is for the screens you know yeah yeah they're conspicuous they're conspicuous yeah uh, but also quick bandy goof for you as Hauser plays excerpt of Ludwig van Beethoven on the piano as in his apartment to unlock the key his hands do not match the notes we hear so if you're paying attention he's fucking it up there you go someone on IMDB big Beethoven fan big piano good boy. on him now what what uh what vi- what video do you get here on the screen okay we get a video of a Different bearded. looking, yeah, like bearded, bearded and stubble headed Colin Farrell. Look. Yeah, it looks a little weird. And he's like, Hey, you think you're, D- you're Douglas Quaid? You're actually Carl Hauser. It's me. You were working for Cohagen to infiltrate the resistance. 
But then I met a woman. Oh, the yeah. The most that's what lazy I fucking, like, plot device. The most lazy Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. Title pitch, definitely. But then I met a woman. Uh, I was so, so ready <laughs> yeah. for that story to develop. I was like, yes, it's Jessica. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. The chemistry, the romance unfold. And he explains, like, so I was working for Cohagen to infiltrate the Resistance, but really now I work for the Resistance because Cohagen's bad. Cohagen's setting false flags up. And he's like... You know, those terrorism attacks, they're not done by Matthias and the Resistance, that's all Cohagen. At which point Quaid asks the hologram of himself, like, why would he do that? And the other one's like, hey, you idiot, so he can justify making a bunch more military synths. Like, very topical, man, like a 9-11 thing, like a war in the Middle East thing, like, you know, like, you gotta have pretenses to, to, to go trade blood for oil. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my political stance, if anyone. <laughs> nice. If anyone's wondering, yeah, my political stance is that 9-11 was an inside job. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, apparently the, the big MacGuffin for the rest of the movie is, or for the next, I don't know, hour, is that Quaid has the universal kill code for all the synthetic cops buried somewhere in his brain. And, uh, cause he got a look at it once and if he gets to Matthias, Matthias will be able to get the code out of him and use it to kill all the I synths. Mean, that's a handy little yeah. tip. Some might wonder if you were Cohagen and you captured this double agent who you knew had the kill code for the synths buried in his brain, why you would make his false identity somebody who works building those synths. But you know, mm, mm, whatever. Mm, mm. It's really interesting as well because I get a different scene to you. <laughs> Wow. Okay, let me finish. Let me finish with these couple cringeworthy lines and then tell us what happens in your scene. Uh, Trust someone who knows you better than you do? Ugh boring he yeah. says he, he's refusing to believe he's Carl Hauser and he gives an interesting title pitch my name is Doug Quaid and I was born on August 29th <laughs> yes. this is my star sign I'm, I'm Doug Quaid that's all I know a weird sticking yeah. point and a couple of title pitches but go on go on tell us what happens in your scene uh, it's this person we've like never seen before <laughs> I think it's like one of like the part it's one of the passports so not no and then as it's speaking, it sort of changes into another face and then another face and then lands on Ethan Hawke. And then Ethan Hawke is like, hey, so you're not Douglas Quaid. We are both Carl Hauser. And starts to explain how, um, how like, the facial and, like, sculpting has been, like, implemented and that sort of thing. And that it's, like, a sort of, like, a responsive AI. So depending on the questions you ask... Um, he can answer things, but there's not like a, he can't like speak directly in a sense. Yeah. Um, and that's the end. That's the end of Ethan Hawke in this movie. Um, so is he has Ethan a little Hawk scene here on the list of characters. I just Ethan Hawke is not credited. He's not on credited. IMDb. So he was just cut because know, because yep. he was he was cut out of the theatrical uh, yeah, release. Wow. Oh, Do you think he still got paid? He must have still got paid. All right. So. Sad times for Ethan Hawke. Melina is awake, and she's like, it wasn't a dream, it was a memory. Also, we're in love, but we gotta go! Basically, they're on the run now. Mm. Yeah, they, they run down to the lobby, and boom! Harry's there! And he's uh. playing the role of that guy from the original movie who comes in as the doctor and tries to convince him that it's all a dream and that he's currently strapped to a chair in recall. Doing another real Inception thing. One of those yeah. remakeability points. He's like, you're all imagining this, uh, Quaid. None of this is real. What, do you think you're a spy? It's basically the same scene... But man, yeah. does Harry do a bad job setting so this up? Bad. Like the- he does say, he does say they chemically transfused me into your mind, which yep. is just an absurd thing to say. 
Yep. Yeah. He he also tries to convince he tries to convince him that like everything's cool and that this is all just bullshit, despite the fact that he has a giant robot army outside some glass doors, like basically pointing guns at them, which would make no sense if it was all a dream. Yes. Surely he would just be like, "Do what you want, kill me if you want." Because like in the original movie, like the guy who comes to visit them in the room, he just comes and visits him in a hotel room, like no guns, no armies, and he's like, "Hey, I'm just a doctor." Like That's I've been makes a lot more sense. Maybe they should Rather just like some like Edith Piaf playing in the background. Yeah. So you're like, "Oh yeah, I get it now. I'm in a dream." Showing up with a fucking robot <laughs> army to try and convince someone that none and of this is real. Killer ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and his ex-wife and Laurie's there. And she's like, "Laurie loves you. She's sitting right next to you in recall yeah, right now." cardigan and look homie, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, like, he tries to convince him, Harry tries to convince him, like, you just have to kill this bitch, and, like, points at Melina, and he's like, if you kill her, you'll wake up and everything will be real. And he's like, oh boy, I don't know about that. Uh, gotta say. And then say. you see the little tear down her eye, which I thought yes. was a little reference to the sweat bead. Yeah, it was kind of a weird reference to the sweat bead. He basically starts making some smart plays late in the game, mm. where, like, I don't know, like, he, like, points a gun at Laurie, which, like, again... Just comp- not Laurie, at um, Melina, which just completely undercuts his point, like, that any of this is bullshit, because, like, if it was all a dream, he wouldn't care if mm. he got shot or whatever. And then his smart point that he makes is he's like, okay, okay, and he gives Melina his gun, and is like, see, would I have done that if this was all real? And then it's like, okay, that was a smart play, but too little too late. Yeah. LVP for Harry in this scene. I completely agree with your nomination. He, he-, he just sucks. Uh, it ends up being a pretty high-tension, high-personal drama moment, which was one of our remakeability points. Um... Arguably, like, the the actual character drama is better handled in this movie because it's Colin Farrell and not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, Do you want to say that now with conviction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) That, that, but with more conviction. Um, Yeah, yeah, and and then they get away somehow. Literally, like, he's like, oh no, I'm not going to kill her. I've realised that this is all real and you're full of shit. And then, yeah, he shoots Harry right in the dome piece and then they run away. I do not know where they go next. It's Like, like... that like an elevator, elevator factory. Tetris. I think it's like they, an elevator Tetris. They go into, yeah, an elevator Tetris factory where they're just like <laughs> traveling around in different elevators that go like up and left and back and forward and, and it's down real and fun right. Because you get like, to see a robot cut in half. Yeah, it's a really weird scene where like literally they spend like the next five minutes just like jumping between different elevators going in like just seemingly completely random directions as they're being chased by Laurie and some of these synths. Laurie says. The lewdest, crassest <gasps> thing anybody oh says in this movie. Oh Do you want to give it to us, Renette? She's like, you can go hang out with that new girl. As long as she doesn't mind where those lips have been. That's just <laughs> so <laughs> crass. What is the point? It would have been better <sighs> had there been other crass points throughout the film. Again, some like continue. I, it was just so It was yuck. out of nowhere. It was just out of nowhere. Yeah. It's time for taglines. Let's do taglines, oh, baby. baby. Well, how's it going to work this time, Jacko? Is it going to be one real, one fake, and one... What, what's the deal? What's the deal? Like, one real, and then two from different movies. Okay, okay, great. Three times. We're going to try and guess which one's for this movie. Okay, right. Got it. Okay. Bring it on, buddy. Number one. Some memories are best forgotten. Okay. That might be Eternal Sunshine? Yes, it uh, sounds like it, but wasn't that... You used that for the last one as well, though. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Keep going, Jacko. Number two. The dream is real. 
Okay. Goodness. That's that's on the nose. Inception? Yeah. Now, that'd be weird because, okay, you know, okay, all right, okay. I'll I'll give you my thoughts about that one in a moment. And the final one? What is real? Oh, Okay, that's a little too generic. Um... So, okay, wait, we have to pick which one was for this movie? For this movie, okay. Uh, I could believe any of them because, and here's why, none of them make sense. Yeah, yes, none yeah, of them are good. And not, not really one of them really applies to the movie because it's not a dream is the thing. So saying the dream is real is like... Can you speedily just repeat them quickly? Just run them through one more time. Yeah, just like... Some memories yeah. are best forgotten. The dream is real. What is real? I think it's what is real, I have to say. I think it's dream is real. Okay. I mean, to, to be fair... Pretty much indistinguishable. Yeah. Pretty much indistinguishable yeah. taglines. I'm going to go with the dream is real, Renette's going with what is real. Yeah. Please tell me it wasn't the first one. What is real? Well done, Renette. <laughs> Fuck! I'm so bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> so we had uh, Inception, the dream is real. Yep, okay. Um, um, Memento, some memories oh, are best nice, forgotten. Nice, I, did, nice, I didn't nice. want to do Sunshine because we did do it last time mm. for this one. Uh-huh. Although that was like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um... And now, the four taglines presented to me by IMDb please, for please, this please, film, please, 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 please. which I hate these ones because it's just kind of like, you had one idea and you were like, let's just riff off that, but it really uh, ruins my tagline experience. What is real? Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it real? Is it- <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Is it real? Number three. Real or dream? <laughs> <laughs> And the last one, what is real? What is recall? Oh, <laughs> oh my god. These oh. all sound like Google search strings that people have put in yeah, to try yeah, and find or, yeah, this or similar movies. Here's what I think could have happened. You could have picked that three boob lady, made a whole film out of it, and used all those taglines. Dream? Real? Yeah. Like, I, I would like to imagine <laughs> yeah. those taglines just, like, tied together, together, together. So it's like, what is real? Is it real? Dream? Real? <laughs> Dream real? Is that what, what is recall? What is recall? Yeah. <laughs> what that is mean, real? What is recall? That is a great oh, tagline. Wow. Shall we get back into it? So there's that big, weird elevator hellscape where, yeah, a bunch of robots get, like, decapitated as, like, the elevators go past Love doors, it. which is fucking sick. Um, I guess there's a bomb now. Like, I don't know where the What's bomb came from. Well, yeah, like, yeah. he plants, like, a time twist bomb, and then it He'll blows see. up. All of this elevator shit was very confusing. Like, where are they going? Why are there elevators? Like, what are they? Where? I, I don't know. I didn't... Maybe I tuned out for a minute, but, like, <laughs> I didn't really know what was going on in this scene. But Anyone? honestly, that's, that's, that's an important part of the recap, right? Is that there's, yeah. there's this movie, and that, as try as we may, like, you just... You just zone out because it's just so samey. Like it's it's yeah. it's honestly hard to like visually read what's happening because it's just like it's just like dirty Dark shots of guns and yeah. like du- yeah exactly just beige. And Which is where cinematography could have really assisted. Yeah, and like big exactly. explosions that are kind of like unexplained, but anyway, whatever. Uh, now they're arriving at Matthias's headquarters at long last. Uh, I guess like somehow they've escaped Laurie uh, again, and all of a sudden they're in some gothic like yeah, Notre Dame esque okay. architectural. Scene. Ex- exactly. This is the third fucking distinct, complete <laughs> art style in this movie. Now they're in this weird neo-gothic space. Renette's done little sketches of, like, the fucking cathedrals in the background <laughs> and shit. I just like, was it's, shocked. It is super weird. We've they're- gone... 
you know, from London to Paris yeah. to... Well, there, were, there was some Middle Eastern influences. Yeah, like, I, I, I guess the idea is that, like, now they're in, like, the wastes. It, it, it's so fucking underworld. Like, I was like, Len, yeah. what are you doing? Kind of very Stephen King and or Handmaid's Tale, this idea of, like, the blighted wastes yeah. Yeah. where, like, yeah. the, the resistance live and, like, no one would think of going out there. And you've got Bill Knight with an American accent just... The yeah. disappointment. So it turns out Matthias is here and he's Bill Nye. And at this point I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to be cool. Like, it's going to be like the original where the guy isn't really like the, the actual guy. Because like, you know, remember in the original they thought that the, the yeah. leader of the resistance was this one guy, but it turns out he was just a host for this alien leader of the resistance that lives on his mm. body. Mm. I didn't think it was going to be necessarily that, but I thought it was going to be something. But then, nope, it's just Bill Nye. He's the leader of the resistance. And then Quaid and Bill Nye have a really boring chat about memories and what is life and what is memory yeah. and blah, 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 blah. And and then they decide they're going to extract his memories so they can get the kill code out of it for all the synths. He sits down in a recall-style machine, and it turns out his brain has a firewall. A firewall, which, which is encrypted. Which is encrypted. <laughs> and they can't get at the memories. Let's use those big words. They essentially hack in, they're like, there, the kill code, we've got it. And then, like, this weird, like, alarm starts going off in, like, the CPU of his brain, I guess. Hacked. Hacked. Uh, hacked. And all these, like, cops, like, just bust in. Turns out it was a triple cross. Cohagen implanted something in... Because there was, like, a video that came up. That's right. There was a video that came up from Quaid's brain that was, like, Cohagen. It was Brian Cranston. He was like, huh. You led me right to them, Matthias. Yeah, I forgot that and then fucking yeah. Brian Cranston and all these like fucking military boys storm the building. Yeah, Quaid's been used. He's like a, he, so he was an agent for Cohagen. They only can. Conv- it's so confusing the layers of double triple crossing here because like I guess what actually happened is he was working for Gohagen, he went and infiltrated the resistance, they tricked him into thinking he was actually sympathetic to the resistance so he could get really close to them, but in reality they were using him as bait because then they were like, no no no, the real Carl Hauser who you actually are actually works for me, Gohagen, and like your plan was to it was so, it's so weird like it, they, if that yeah if, if that sounds confusing or unsatisfying for you believe me it was for us as well. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's the same It's the same thing as in the original movie, where it's like this weird double, triple cross thing that's going on. But like, at least in this thing, they try, because like, you remember my biggest problem with it last time was like, if the whole point was that they needed him to escape and like, think he was being chased by Cohagen to lead them to the resistance, like, why did he have his agents out there actively trying to kill him? Like, they could have just been putting up like a fake fight, but like, in reality like, Laurie was trying to kill him. And they try and explain it in this one that that was disobedience, that like, she wasn't actually supposed to be trying to kill him. And, yeah, like, you MVP know, Laurie. Cohagen, because like, yeah, now Cohagen and Laurie are both there, and Cohagen's like, if she had, you know, it's a good thing she didn't succeed in killing you, because that would have fucked up the plan, and it's like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, uh, I, I gotta say though, Brian Cranston rules the roost in this scene, man. He he's fucking, so good. He just he just murders Matthias for one. He's like, huh, what's better than a double agent who doesn't realize he is one? Nice, nice, nice title pitch. And then he just fucking yeah. ices Matthias with a bullet to the brain. Oh, uh, that was so just like oh. Yeah. No, I, I like it. I give him an MVP for this scene. Yeah, I give I give him a big old MVP. Cohagen can go over to one of Matthias's computers, and they're like, ah. The rebel plans. Very good. Here's all the details of all the air bases oh, right. and all the military shit Which that the rebels have. Which doesn't matter at all. I mean, yeah, considering... Let, yeah. So, like, the, the, okay, so, like, just to get to it, the whole back half of this movie is now, like, the last, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of the movie is just, like, m- they, they're gonna invade 
Like, now Kohagen has these plans for all the rebel bases are. He's going to invade the colony and put down the rebel resistance, like, immediately, right? Because now he knows where all this shit is. But, like, his invasion is predicated entirely around putting all his troops in the fall and just marching them directly into the city. So, like, why does he need any of this information? Like, he could just go directly into the city. Like, he's just going to invade the city that the fall is on in, like, the colony side. Like, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what he actually needs these plans for. But anyway, he has the plans. They're like, all right, uh, we backed up Carl Hauser's real brain before we turned you into Quaid. So now we're going to turn you back into Quaid, into Carl Hauser by putting you in a memory chair. And also, for some reason, I'm taking Melina. And he just, like, takes Melina as a hostage and gets on the fall with all his troops and leaves fucking some of his cronies behind to deal with uploading House's brain back into his body, which is, you know, bravo, Kohagen. <laughs> Management yeah. style. Genius. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Quaid's being strapped into a chair so they can turn him back into Hauser, and his mate Hammond comes past and, uh. like, cuts the restraint on him and is like, hey. So then, right before they can inject him, he manages to, like, you know, get his arm free because his hand restraint was cut off, which is, like, to be fair... That is better than what happened in the original movie, which was Arnie's so strong, he just flexes out of it. Like, he literally just, like, just, like, breaks. Well, I would have loved if Colin Farrell had just ripped out of the seat. Yeah, it was a workaround for the fact that we didn't have one of the key elements of remakeability, which is a big, big man. (laughs) We didn't have that this time, so they had to instead have him get help. He proceeds to just murder, like, the six guards in the room, including his friend Hammond. And he does not even look sad. Like, he doesn't even feel remorse. Did this play out differently in your cut, Jacko? The shot I saw is that, like, as he was killing one of the cops, like, their gun fired off and, like, drilled into Hammond. So I think it was collateral, not intentional. Yeah, um, but at any rate, God, I he, hope. Otherwise, a really strange vibe, like for that character to just like. There is such a small there. concession to the fact that his friend has just died. He literally walks over, yeah. sees that he's dead, is like, oh, and then just okay. leaves, just like fucks <laughs> I off. I don't really remember this guy. Yeah, so. and, and then okay, like we're in like the, the end game of this movie now, right? And like basically, like yeah. basically, like Quaid figures out that. They're, yeah, using the fall to try and infiltrate the colonies, right? And they've got all these troops that they're loading on there, and pretty much the rest of the movie centers around him trying to stop them. So he goes to the yeah. fall. At this point, I'm thinking, like, why did they get rid of the Mars stuff for this class struggle about, like, yeah. miners and shit? Like, yeah. this is so boring compared to, like, the fucking cool Mars story boring. they could have had. <laughs> Quaid gets on the fall. He's planting all these sneaky time bombs, like the time bombs that he planted in the weird elevator hellscape. Uh, Melina is just on the fall with some people and he manages to save her and they have a very boring kiss where they just like oh, they're just like mm, yeah, I, where are I think united? I wrote down it was shit as yeah there you go a shit as yeah. kiss which ties into at that moment for some reason I noticed the score of the music like, of, the, of the film and uh-huh. I was like oh this is also disappointing I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> also disappointing. Another disappointing thing, the music. But anyway. Yeah. So he rescues Melina. They're on the fall, I guess. Everyone's on the fall. The whole rest of the movie takes place on the fall until they get to the colony. Fucking Kohagen gets word from one of his advisors that's like, oh, it seems like a prisoner has escaped. And then, you know, he's standing with Laurie and they scratch their heads for a minute and then they're like, oh, it must be Hauser. Like, as if they don't know immediately that it's Hauser. So Kohagen sends Laurie to deal with him. He, he's, he's on the fall. He's rescued. He rescues Melina. 
Uh, some of the troops, I guess human troops, are trying to stop them on the fall. This fortunately coincides with the zero gravity section as they go through the core. Yep. So now everyone's in zero gravity. <laughs> Quaid grabs a gun and ices all these dudes and like rides but the momentum. But then he also shoots himself up. Like he, sh- yeah, I think yeah. he points a gun down, he shoots yeah, him up and he's like, you're sick. He's got zero gravity so he's using the fucking gun to like move around. Yeah. And at this point I'm just like thinking like this movie is just so different. Like, I'm not sure if, objectively, it's better or worse than the original. Like, it's definitely a bad remake of Total Recall. And, like, way less revolutionary in Mm. terms of what it deals with. But I'm wondering if, like, standalone, just as a movie, devoid of context, whether this is, like, objectively better or worse than the original. I think it's still shit. Honestly, I think it's still shit. Because I haven't seen the original, Mm. so... And I'd only listened to your podcast about it. So uh-huh. I had a bit of a, like, watching this as a first mm-hmm. time thing. It was still shit. Okay, okay. Very good. Very good I, d- I definitely, yeah, I definitely enjoyed the original way a more. more. A lot more, yeah. No question. They end up getting on top of the fall. They get out of the cabin and get on top of the fall as it arrives at the station. Which, again, they would be burnt to a crisp. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so it, it pulls into the station and I guess Cohagen and his boys are just waiting on the other side. They capture Quaid, but Melina escapes. Uh, we get uh, a brief insight into how strong these robo robocops are because one of them grabs quaid and just like dunks him into the ground so strong cohagen and hauser have a one-on-one fight and i guess for some reason cohagen slash brian cranston needs to be a really competent hand-to-hand fighter who can like hold yeah. his own against quaid who we've seen just dunking on people all movie just like flipping around doing 20 judo, guys yeah, or more like 10 murders 20 or 10 people at once but this old man played by Brian, Brian Cranston who we have seen nothing of physicality is like able to go one on one with him man. in a knife fight yeah exactly fucking that's oh. that's right uh there is one more touch of ultraviolence. Nice new ability. Melina finds, like, a spaceship, which hasn't been in the movie up to this point. Yeah. Like, rides it up in an elevator up to, like, the helipad where this confrontation is happening. Just guns down That's everyone. Insane. With which these fucking... cooler. Yeah, absurd machine guns. Uh, Quaid and Hauser are duking it out. Brian Cranston is kicking his ass. And he's got him, like, and he's like, huh, you really think killing me is gonna stop the invasion? And he's like, no, but I think this will. Oh. And then his timed bombs blow up. And they barely get away. They I think I wrote down top yeah. quality, top like, quality line. What what I wanted to know was if his plan was to blow everything up. Why did he need to confront Cohagen and Laurie like in this rooftop thing? Like why could no? Like just, why did this need to happen? His plan was just to blow it all up. So they blow it all up. They barely escape. He says something about how he may not remember who he was, but he knows who he is. Which does link back to a conversation which was about, it's not about your past, it's about your present with Bill Nye. Yeah. The the tube blows up and we get like some newscasts that are like, yes, the war between the colony and the UFB is over. The Chancellor Cohagen has no, not been seen ever since. The Quaid passes out. Like, they, like he and Molina like, jump away from the building or the fall as it's, like, falling down the tube and exploding. And then he passes out and he wakes up in an ambulance. Yeah, it's actually Kate Beckinsale wearing the mask thing. The holograph thing. So she looks like fucking uh, Molina. And it turns Why? out... He, Why? He figures it out because she doesn't have a bullet hole in her hand that he knows Molina has. The only can consistent thing in the movie the bullet hole yeah but he basically just dunks on her immediately pushes her out the back of the ambulance and shoots her dead nice that's it that is literally it and everyone's like yeah everyone's like oh it's cool it's him no worries he then embraces 
He then embraces Melina. They're having a big romantic moment. He looks out and sees there's an advertisement for recall on one of the buildings up Man. here. He then, looks point, down, he then looks down to his, his right arm, and the tattoo he got as he entered recall is now gone. And he just look. What? He's just look. Did that not happen for you guys? No. I don't know. No. We just got. They cut yeah. away, they cut from, away from the kiss. kiss yeah. And that was the end of the movie. They were like about to kiss, no, and then it cut to black. Biggest no. Okay. In my version, you oh. see the investment of recall. He looks down at his arm. The the imprint they left as they set him into the machine isn't there, and he just kind of like. Uh, and she's like, "What? What's up? What's wrong?" And he's like, "Nothing." Everything, everything is fine, and like kisses her, like fully acknowledging, oh, like he's probably in a dream. Yeah. What really? Oh, what? What a different ending! That... What the fuck? Yeah. There was like, none of there that. Is, there is, there is no way in my, the, the extended cut that I watched that he isn't in a dream. Like the, the film sets it up to be like, oh, he realizes at the end he he is par- like in this paranoid oh like delusion, but he accepts it because it feels real to him. Um, oh. And right, that's, that's a better movie. movie. Yeah, to quote you, yeah. Ben, like, what a garbage movie. <laughs> <laughs> can read your note from here. Yeah. We got the shit version. Yeah, wow. Fucking you go know. watch the director's cut, I guess. No, listen, it's it's like it's over two hours long. Don't do it to yourself. It's not it's not worth it. Oh wow. Thank you for listening to this episode of Still Interested. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it, despite the fact that the movie is bad. This is one of the ones that I would say, like, don't, don't watch. <laughs> take don't. our, take our recap, and now, like, look, yeah. you've seen it. You've seen the best parts of the movie. If anyone brings it up at a party, say you've seen it, yeah. and you'll remember all the important stuff because we talked about Just it. Just keep saying how shit it was. Yeah. So if you enjoy this service that we provide in recapping shitty movies, so you don't have to watch <laughs> them, uh, check us out on on Twitter or Facebook or wherever the fuck you like. You can get us at si curio show on Twitter uh, or on Facebook at curio. Network, and if you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Mr. BT McAllister, and I think you also are on Twitter, Jackson. I sure am. I'm at Jackson underscore Usud. Um, Renette, do you have uh, some fun social media or something I mean, you want to plug? I'm not on Twitter, which is actually best for the world, but I can probably plug my Rue Design <laughs> yeah. on Facebook, Instagram, and my website, which is just ruedesign.com.au or yeah. Renette makes cool shit. Go go check it out. Um, yeah. It all looks very, very cool. Yeah, R-O-U-X with an exclamation mark, but that's just a visual thing. So yeah, yeah just rudesign.com.au. Design. I'd like to have a discussion with you about the most valuable player in this movie. And the people that I would like Ooh. to nominate for this particular high honour are... Uh, Laurie. I mean, mm-hmm. Laurie's great. She Everything she does, she kills. 100%. Uh, Brian Cranston as Cohagen. And Hammond for saving the day and then losing his life in the process. Yeah. Uh, by by cutting cutting the restraints uh, that allow Quaid to stay Quaid. What do you guys think? I think the interesting case for Laurie is the fact that she essentially plays two roles. From the original, she plays Laurie and she also plays uh, whatever the dude's name is. Um, Michael Ironside's character that was just trying to hunt them down the entire time. She's like sort of combining both. Yeah, roles that is here. true. So given the fact that she does, she does, she does a good job playing two roles, presumably for like only one pay packet, <laughs> pretty impressive. And let's be realistic, probably a slimmer pay packet than some of the other people yes, involved yes, in this yes, movie. Yes, 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 I'm gonna yes, give, yes. I'd give it to her straight yes. up, and I know it's totally out of her control, but I'm just gonna go with it. Her hair looked great the oh, whole film through. So you think for the hair? I think for the hair, also just being a badass and not 
having you like you you actually can't hate her at the end I reckon I I still don't want to hate her because Jessica Biel was supposed to be your favorite female character and but she she's was so weak. thin she and was so weak nothing. and I was like, like I'm not into that I'm not into a weak female I liked Kate Beckinsale as badass awesome hair female lead who you I just couldn't hate her I couldn't hate her yeah I also think like the reason I would give it to her so I like that we have many different reasons is because she did that one scene during the fight with Quaid where she slid her accent from American (gasps) to British very nice in like two lines and like there's one thing we love on this show it's a bit of accent work (laughs) it's doing a little bit of impressions you know and like sliding between one to another within like the same line no I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger you know it's like it's a thing that we we very much enjoy (laughs) Ben, that, that was, was smooth. That was getting, a real yeah, you are the real MVP. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, giving me chills <laughs> for that yeah. for that accent slide, which I appreciate a lot. Uh, I have to go with Laurie. Yeah. Now, what about what about LVPs mm. then? Oh, bloody beige hen Harry, Harry, <laughs> yep. beige Harry. I had the creepy salesman, yeah, beige beige Harry. John Cho, yeah, John Cho, uh, Salesboy, and, yeah, and Harry. John Cho, Salesboy, and Harry were the only people I had. Mm. I would make a strong case mm. for John Cho, considering he's responsible, f- uh, indirectly responsible for the fact that there exists uh, a an expression known as "father, I'd like to fuck." filth. Uh, I think John Cho has a case to answer in regards to sort of generating that as one mm. of his weird off-spun children. Like, on a societal damage yeah, sort of yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just yeah. mental damage, damage for me. Is it damage? I oh. don't know. I think it adds. It's kind of spicy, you know. <laughs> okay, alright. Okay, alright. No, alright, alright. Yeah, if that's spicy, if you're into well, it. Well, then maybe it's Beige yeah. Harry. Fuck maybe, that. Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe you're right. Can maybe we, maybe we can't bring down John Cho's uh, shining star. Okay. Beige Harry doesn't want, like, <laughs> Colin Farrell to live his best life that is true like what a shit mate okay fair enough um i guess now if you're interested the official still interested party line is that father i'd like to fuck is a great (laughs) thing to say and it's Uh, added it's a good thing it's added a lot to society so that's it's a that's why it's beige harry (laughs) the first one is a banger (laughs) colin farrell actually spent a night on the set because he wanted to see what it would be like to wake up in the future (laughs) <laughs> That's why you do every morning. You wake up in the That's future so every day. <laughs> oh no, oh Colin, God. you've lost That's some points so there. So silly. Oh, this is cool. Uh, when Quaid slash Hauser is fighting the synthetic on top of the six-way elevator car, I guess that's what it's called, the and the synthetic loses an arm, this is a nod to the original film where Michael Ironside's character suffered in yep. a similar way. Yeah, that oh, is cool. Oh, they had like, this arm yeah, just arm moving flower. about yeah, like a fish. Cool. Yeah, right. Scarlett Johansson turned down the role of Melina due to her commitment on the Avengers. Thank <sighs> Christ. Imagine Man, if Scarlett Johansson Jesus. had done this movie. <laughs> I would have. Yeah, she would have still got my MVP. Because, oh, absolutely! Yeah, I love Scarlett. She could have been the third, like, three-titted lady. Like, <laughs> yo, <laughs> I mean that would have been money. Oh, yeah, how, how's this? Most of the futuristic-looking firearms actually contemporary weapons with little to no modification. Gee, <laughs> the silver really? handgun carried by Laurie and by various police in its blued form is the Chiapa Rhino 357 caliber revolver with a laser sight fixed under the muzzle. Okay, then there's a bunch more discussion about different guns that there are. Why is the IMDb trivia community so fucking obsessed with, like, the technicalities of guns? This is such a recurring element. Jesus. 
This can't be true. When building the set for Total Recall, the builders spent 10 grand a week on wood screws alone. Yeah, that's highly likely. What? That is highly likely. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> the street punk who refers to one of the synthetic robot cops as Robo Dick <laughs> is a nod to Paul Verhoeven, who directed the first Total Recall and Robocop. <laughs> That's so weird. The security check posts are designed to look like giant iPhones in the mask scene. Notice the home button on the top. What? What is that? I hate that so much. Designed to look like giant iPhones in the... What does that mean? Fuck this movie and everyone who came with it. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, but the design team did it rubbish job. They did an absolutely rubbish job and they can't believe they were so chuffed with themselves. Wait, what? Brian Cranston plays Cohagen, co-stars in AMC's Breaking Bad with Dean Norris, who was in the original Total Recall. Who is Dean Norris in the original Total Recall? Dean Norris is fucking Hank from Breaking Bad. Who is he in Total Recall? He plays Tony. Who the fuck is Tony? Oh, Tony's oh, the guy the with the, the fucked up face. Holy Whoa, shit. that looks like... That's Dean Norris from what? Breaking Bad. The oh. guy with the big facial deformations who yells at Quaid in the Mars bar? Yeah. yeah. Mars bar's fun. Wow. I didn't know that was... Oh, wow. That's quite... That's not bad. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is fucked up. The water in the final fight scene was infected, causing Brian Cranston to get pink eye in both eyes. There's more. Colin Farrell joked on the Graham Norton show that he defecated in the water to sabotage him. What the fuck? Colin Farrell's like, I shit in Brian Cranston's water on the Graham Norton. Yeah, I just wanted to have a pink eye. Just really wanted him to have pink eye. What the fuck? It's not that. I mean, there have been things said on the Graham Norton show, and I adore that show. When Quaid's memory is searched for the kill code, just prior to disconnection, a Minesweeper game can be seen for a fraction of a second. So I like the implication that Quaid's displaying Minesweeper in his brain. <laughs> just idly, whenever he's mi- like, whenever his like, thoughts are encrypted. Like, it's encrypted. It's encrypted by you have to beat Minesweeper, and like nobody knows how to play that game. <laughs> it's impossible no encryption knows. to get through. Amazing. I like that. That is good. That is good. Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes, or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks.